Hello everyone, my name is Jared Altick and I'm a chaplain with the police department. The Hey Chaplain podcast brings you stories and wisdom about life and law enforcement, giving support and encouragement to those who wear the badge. Today I want to take you to the other side of the police radio, to the communications center, to talk about dispatchers. We'll discuss what's happening during a 911 call from the point of view of a call taker and a dispatcher. We ask, what do officers sometimes not understand about the job of the person on the other side of that radio? And what is life like for that disembodied voice in the dark? Today, I'm talking to Manny DeLeon. He's a supervisor at the Emergency Communications Center in Wyandotte County, Kansas. And he agreed to talk to me about all of this and more. Listen as he talks about the process of taking a call and getting that crucial bit of information in just the nick of time. Also, listen to what he says about hiring and the challenge of keeping a communication center staffed. Finally, I ask him what he would most want to see changed in communications. Here's Manny DeLeon. Manny, it's good to have you here today. How are you? Doing good, thank you. And I'm glad glad we're able to talk about this. It's a, kind of a an insight into a part of law enforcement that everyone's aware of, but they probably don't think about a yeah. lot. And so, can you can you walk me through the process when a nine one one call comes in? What's happening in the communication center from start to finish? Okay, so there's a lot of knowledge and training involved um, for a dispatcher to process calls. However, all training is provided from start to finish. And just to give you an idea, it may take up to a year to train a new employee to be able to handle nine one one calls hmm. and learn the uh, dispatching phase, which is the phases of actually sending officers and other resources to these calls for service so that citizens get the help that they need. As soon as a citizen or a passerby that is within Wyandotte County dials 911, their call gets routed to our center where a call taker will answer the phone. Their line of questioning is extremely crucial to be able to send the appropriate and necessary help. So it's very, very important that all questions are answered fully and in detail. Okay, okay. For example, the most important piece of information that we can't emphasize enough is location, location, location. And that's probably not what people are asking or what they're saying. You're usually probably yelling. Right. Here's here's a thing that's happening, mm -hmm. but you need to know where. Right. As soon as you pick up, a call taker picks up that phone. Normally, it's the call. The caller is very hysterical. Yeah. Probably location is not going through their mind. So it's up to our call taker to take control Mm. of the caller, calm them down, and try to get that location because it's extremely important. I always tell my staff that if there is anything that they can get out of a a 911 caller, it would be location. Right. Once location is determined, they enter that in the system, and then they try to determine the nature of the call. So once they determine the nature, let's say it's a disturbance. Right. They code the call. And it's routed and displayed on the appropriate dispatcher's screen so that the officers in that area can be sent. So then the call taker still stays on the line Mm -hmm. asking um, a multitude of questions such as who was fighting with who, suspect descriptions, is anyone armed, or does anyone need EMS to check them out, etc. So you said this goes to the appropriate you know, other person there in the communication center. Is that something that's happening 
through the computer or yes. somebody choosing, okay, this call needs to go to that person over No, that it's cubicle. it's simultaneous. It's all ha- happening simultaneously. Okay. The, the computer CAD system, the software the right that person. we use, yeah. Right. The software that we use gets the, um, when the call taker puts in the location, the software then determines, oh, this goes to this district in this in this part of Wyandotte County. Right. So then that call automatically gets routed to that dispatcher that's controlling those officers in that area. Okay, so if I'm following, there's now two people involved yes. in the call? Yeah, so there's okay. the call taker, and then on the other side of the room is the dispatcher for where that location is at. Okay, okay. All right, what and happens next? So um, then the line of questioning is not only to send the appropriate help to the citizen, but it's also tailored to our responding officer's safety. Okay. I always tell those in training to pretend that you are the responding officer and are questioning the caller pieces of information that you would want to know if you were to, the one driving to the scene. Right, right. So obviously anyone would want to know who to look out, who to look out for in the case, in this case, the suspect, and if they are a danger to that officer responding. Okay. So you can see why it's important to ask all these pieces of information where oftentimes a caller might not might get frustrated wondering why we ask too many questions. <laughs> right, it's all the time. Right, it, all, right. it, it never fails. Yeah. The call taker is is talking to the person making the 911 call and they are are talking to that person but they're writing notes, right? They're typing in Notes. Yes. So, at so the, the dispatcher and everybody else can see what's being written in. Yeah. So it's notes, right? it's actually all live. So as the caller is talking to my call taker, they are typing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of multitasking involved. Yeah. As soon as they hit enter, when they're at the end of a sentence, right? It's live. So our dispatcher can right away see that call note that came in. Okay. And in fact, um, our officers can see that call for service live out in the field in their on their tablet, their mobile their tablet devices. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So as soon as they pick they pick up nine one one, they type in the address, they call that they they code the call for service, and then they start typing in notes right away. Everyone down the line can see that call for service live. Okay. These are the call notes. I've I've been on ride along and been in the car and on yeah. the tablet and have looked through the yes. notes to try to find pertinent information. Right. So, so they okay. can right away they can see the location, the nature of the call, and all the call notes coming in. Okay. Okay. And so the dispatcher uses those notes to relay some of that information because the the officer can see it on his tablet, but mm-hmm. the dispatcher also says some of that information over the radio. Yeah, and in fact they the. Normally, they should say all the information because you never know what piece of information might be important to the officer. Right. So, it's important that they just read out all of the call notes. And not only that, the the officer's driving. So, it's very important that... (laughs) Well, and no officer has ever been reading call notes while driving. That has never happened. Right. right. (laughs) Yeah. We would hope that they just focus on driving. Right. Right. So... So all of these callers get frustrated that the call takers keep asking more and more questions. Well, and we always assure them that answering questions won't slow units down as call takers and dispatches are separate. Right. They think that, that well, as soon as I can finish this call, then someone will be sent. Exactly. But in reality, they're already being and, sent. And Yeah. Right. A lot of times we don't even have call notes. The, the location, the address is in the call for service. 
and our officers already on the way without knowing what is going on or what they're responding to. Okay. 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 Uh, now, let me ask you a question. The I've been on ride-alongs with the officers as a chaplain, and and I remember the first time, very first ride-along, I heard one of the dispatchers say, uh, there's such and such a call at such and such location. I'll show you responding. And I thought, well, how presumptuous that that dispatcher is <laughs> telling the officer he is going. It's like they right. give him the choice. You right. Know? <laughs> they, yeah. Because I think TV shows and movies, the cops are like, oh, that's an interesting call. I think I'll take that one. Uh-huh. And in reality, this officer that I was riding with was just told, you are going to this location. Right. I'll show you en route. Yeah. And and so, what? Where does that authority come from? Is that just like written into like policies and procedures, or is there a commander over the shoulder of that dispatcher saying it's in this car, not that one? It's not necessarily authority. It's just the resources that we have available at the moment. Okay. And it's not the dispatcher trying to be authoritative. It's right. more so. Uh, I'll show you en route. And that's how I'm going to mark you in the system that you are on the way to that call. And it would say that probably to whichever car is assigned to that area, presumably, right? We try to stick to the vehicles that are available in the area. Oftentimes, everybody's tied up on calls, so we borrow units from the other end of the city, and then they have to drive. Because the dispatcher can see it all on a map, right? Right. And so they can see where all the cars are. Yeah. Ah, okay. And that's another thing with with callers. They... They think that officers are taking too long at times, but it's because our officers are tied up. And a lot of times it could be driving from our south uh, patrol yeah, all location all the way right. to west patrol, which is backs up to Bonner Springs. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they could be, then we could be a 10 or 15 minute drive right. under normal conditions. And yes. that officer's coming all the way across town. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Okay, okay. So the the dispatcher is sending help the call taker is still getting more information. Mm-hmm. At what point does the call end from the point of view of those of you in the communication center? Uh, do you, do, does that call, you describe that to me. Does that call stay open? Is somebody like listening in on that and staying with it for how long? I mean, how does that No, work? As soon as we get all the pertinent information and we get all our, uh, all the information that we need to send our officers and our, keep our officers safe and we know enough information that we are sending all the appropriate help to the caller. Then we just tell the caller we'll get them out there as soon as possible. Now, going back to the disturbance call when I started, um, say someone is hurt. So my call takers on the PD side answer all nine incoming 911 calls. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that they say, Oh yeah, maybe someone is cut or is bleeding. Then that call taker will transfer that caller to the fire EMS dispatchers where they would have further questioning right right and then they and then it ends there okay 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 so now all of this has been kind of um not from the point of view but but i I definitely have been asking like well what does the average citizen out there maybe not understand is there any part of this that the officers don't understand very well have you ever had a time where you've gotten feedback from the officers where they just don't realize what it is you're doing back in the communication center? Oh, definitely all the time. And okay. different, I mean, different scenarios. For example, I would think that officers would understand that when they drive up to a scene, it's chaotic and people are yelling at each other. 
we are dealing with the exact same thing. And oftentimes as soon as it started, so nobody has calmed down. There's that misunderstanding that, oh, why didn't the dispatcher get this piece of information? Well, my call taker is trying. They're trying, but a caller is just, all they're saying is, get him out here, get him out here, get him out here. Right. And that's all they're saying. Right. Because you're just listening. Exactly. You, you, don't, you, you, don't, you only have one sense to exactly. work with. Yeah. And as much as we want to try to get as much of information, because we know what information to get for our officers, but a lot of times our callers are not cooperative. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. and it's understandable. I'm not right. blaming the caller. Right. They're <laughs> at the darkest moment in time. And right. so it's. Well, and that officer is under high stress because mm-hmm. he's not sure what he's he or she's driving yeah. into, yes. and so yeah, everybody's stressed out, and uh, and they I would guess that they that the average officer probably doesn't um, they may they may know it, but they maybe don't understand mm-hmm. the amount of stress you guys have back in the communication center, yeah, uh, the the amount of chaos and and confusion, and you're just really trying to reach for you know that pertinent piece of information and having trouble getting to it, right? And they maybe don't understand how chaotic that is, yeah, yeah. and then not necessarily just chaotic within the center, but then after the officers arrive on scene, it's like a moment of silence. Our dispatcher's stressed out. Is our, our officers are okay? What's going like? You know, if, yeah. if it's an armed disturbance, they they worry for the officers. So it's that stress of wanting not to know: knowing. is everything yeah. okay? Yeah, worry, we don't we don't have video. We don't see anything. They're not out there. So yeah. it's just yeah. I have listened. Audio. I have listened to to those kinds of calls, and I've heard you know an officer go out and he's on the radio, and then he's not. You wait, mm-hmm. and you wait. Yeah. And then the dispatcher asks, yeah. "Are you okay?" Yeah. They <laughs> ask up to three times, and then they yeah. have to tone them. And, and typically, <laughs> typically the officer comes back on the radio out of breath because right. he was running, right? Exactly. And and and, and how is you know how are we to know? You know? Yeah. Oh, no, there's so, no way to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not you know our dispatchers are not trying to be rude to our officers or anything. It's just uh, hey, we're checking up on you. We want to know you're okay. And right. Right. That's everybody's awesome. okay. That's all that matters. So so how did you get into this line of work? Uh, so, uh, how did you so, get started? Yeah, so funny you ask because back in 2013 when I applied, I actually showed up to Human Resources wanting to apply to be an officer. Uh, However, at that time, the job postings would be taken down and I had arrived like a day after they pulled the police officer posting. Uh, so, on my way out, I was told to look at the board of other postings and they had, and I stumbled upon the police dispatch posting. To just to kind of help you get your foot in the door? Is yeah. That, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'll be honest. I had no clue what that was and what it entailed as the job description um, doesn't really give me a clear picture of what they actually do. Right. So I took the risk and applied for it, hoping that I would get hired and use that as my way in the right. department for when an officer posting would come up again. Right. So I ended up getting hired, and I went through all the rigorous training and ended up the... I actually ended up enjoying the job. So my intentions were to make a career out of a job to help people. Uh, reason being why I had that interest of being an officer was to help people. Yeah. yeah. However, after taking 911 calls and dispatching, I learned, hey, what a better way to help people than being in a temperature controlled 
<laughs> office setting, not being exposed to, exposed to the elements. Yes, that's true. So that's true. Yeah. All while you know earning very good money with great benefits and being able to work on homework and finish my school studies and still being part of the team. Well, right. Yeah. I, yeah. Absolutely. And so, and and the potential to make a lot of money is there. Yeah. So you just have to have that drive and dedication to want to make money and help people. It's right. a rewarding job. Right. It really right. is. That's fantastic. So yeah. what do you like most about it? Is there like one part of the job or one um, type of call or a specific task that just really, like that's the part you specifically like? One of the things that I really like was back then when I used to take was actually dispatching and taking mm-hmm. more 911 calls. Before you were a supervisor. Yeah. Right. Um, was knowing that you made a difference. Mm. And you did digging for information to a call for service and knowing that you sent the proper help. There's got to be kind of like a completing the touchdown pass sort of feeling. Yes. When you get that perfect bit of information mm-hmm. to that officer right when they needed it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. knowing that you made that that little piece of information made a difference. I would say that's the most rewarding oh, that's fantastic. part of the job. Yeah. Now, now, help me, though, I have listened to officers talk on the radio a lot. They mumble so badly. <laughs> that's I, I, the, how do you understand that? We tell them to repeat. <laughs> and if oh, we have to tell them to repeat I've, twice... <laughs> And, you know, they might get a little frustrated, but... Right. We, oh, I, I've heard officers, yeah. or I'm sitting next to them, and I can't tell what they said. Yeah. Not not a clue. I'm yeah. in the same context. I know what's going on around us, and I don't know what they said. Right. And you guys repeat it back. The only way I know is because you guys repeat it back, and you 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 understood them. Right. I, I, it's like a, like a miracle worker. I can't <laughs> believe you guys can well, understand Well, after that. so many, hearing it so many times, we're kind of... Uh, figure out what they're trying to say um but yeah that's one of the things that we do have to have them repeat a lot and especially on windy days our traffic units are yes. out in the field yes. and it's I've really windy too. so the microphone there's a lot of wind background yeah it's extremely hard to understand them yeah and not only that maybe it's how far they have the microphone away from yeah their, their mic technique yeah their mic yeah. technique makes yeah. a difference and yeah well, there's so. always those officers that yell into the mic, and it's just too much because it's yeah. so loud. Yeah. But I feel like there's others that overcompensate, and they have this command presence. Yes, and then definitely. they pull the microphone to their to their mouth and they whisper. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like that's probably over adjusting a little too much. Right. <laughs> yeah, and plus that's, you're dealing you're dealing with technology too. So right, um, not everybody's voice carries the same way. I mean, you're talking to a radio, it's getting yeah. transmitted to a tower from the tower to the dispatch center. Right. Then it runs through more cables and then it gets to the earpiece for the dispatcher. So if the yeah. earpiece is not put on correctly or whatnot, I mean, it's just there's so many factors that yeah. could manipulate the sound. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of other, um, there's an element I actually was riding with an officer who had formerly been a dispatcher. And I kept hearing a sound over the radio that I couldn't identify. And to me, it sounded like tires screeching, mm-hmm. uh, like somebody peeling out. Oh, that's a, and we get that all the time. Yeah. Well, I asked him, I said, what is, because I've asked other officers, they <laughs> yeah. didn't know what it was. I said, what is that? He goes, oh, that's not tires. That That's a ringing. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's when like the, the call takers are overloaded in it. In a, I think, is that the phone right? rings? Yeah, yeah so the when, phone rings over with the dispatchers. Mm-hmm. And so that's their phone ringing. Yeah. So yeah. when the, someone dials 911, it's that phone in the back 
background ringing. Yeah. And yeah. it has that distinct noise. But yeah, over the radio, it carries over as tire screeching. It so. does. That's, well, to me, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, no, maybe it's kind of a Rorschach heard, test yeah. or whatever. But no, that's, that's what we've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that dispatcher's that's burning rubber. That's funny. So tell me about some of the technology. You mentioned that a minute ago. Um, there's a lot of, of computerization that's happened over the last generation, the last you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, but there's also other technologies that have come in. I could see how this job... If you liked technology, there might be kind of a, a a hook for you there. So what kind of technologies have been introduced or changed over the last few years? So, yeah, at Dispatch Center, there's a lot of moving pieces, and it's very complicated. And I'm not a techie person. By all means, we have our own IT uh, personnel. They do a fantastic job. However, one piece of technology that stands out would have to be the enhanced 911. Okay. Or some, some people... Just know it as E911. And what's that? And so this technology now allows citizens to text to 911 for help. Okay. okay. So our call takers are able to have a text conversation to send them the appropriate help. They're okay. able to communicate back and forth. Now, interestingly enough, this technology is further changing. And we are now exploring providers with the Mid-America Regional Council to upgrade to next generation 911, so NG911 technology. And what will that look like? So this technology will help call takers and dispatchers better pinpoint the location of our caller with uh, utilizing the GPS technology within that's embedded in their cell phone. Okay. And not only that, they there might be pictures and video involved as opposed to just text messages. Oh, wow. So, so like someone could FaceTime... I'm not sure or, about FaceTime. Yeah, or, um, like I said, we're still exploring. Right. With, but like a video, I just use that as shorthand for like uh-huh. a video right. chat, yeah. basically. So I'm assuming that they would be able to text either a video or pictures to our call taker oh, wow. of the okay. scene so they can get firsthand of, if anything else, they can pick up that, right. oh, this is the suspect description or... Oh, wow. See, I'm, I'm amazed that there's people texting 911. Is that used a lot? It or? isn't, and I think it's one of those things that people are not too aware of. Okay. Um, okay. But it's a very it's it's a very um, useful tech piece of technology mm-hmm. because, I mean, I could see it be used in many scenarios, but say you have a hostage situation. Yes. Last you thing you want. Loud. You yes. can't talk out loud. You don't want your phone ringing or anything. Yeah. Or maybe there's a domestic the one of the spouses is getting beat up and they doesn't want to call nine one one and say, "Hey, this is happening." Just yep. text to nine. Somebody texting on their phone will blend right in with exactly. modern life. No yes. one will notice you text on your phone. And right. so, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's brilliant. Yeah. How about uh, I've been in a few different communication centers and I've seen like workstations that can be elevated up to standing level. Mm-hmm. And so so the callers are not necessarily sitting the entire time. They can stand up and work or they can sit back down. Mm-hmm. Or I've even seen I've seen one where they, you know, pushed a treadmill over to where the station was. They could literally walk on the treadmill while they are while on they the are, computers. Yeah. 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 Um I suppose that's probably changed a lot in recent years, too. Yeah, it does. So uh, our center got renovated not too long ago, and there's new consoles and everything, and they're very ergonomic. Yeah. So they can move the desk up and down, move their screens. They It even has built-in heaters. So in the winter right now, right. they turn them on if they want be it to be a little bit yeah. more comfortable yeah. and warm. Um, they also have fans, so... And it's all adjustable to their liking. Right. They have reading lights. I mean, there's just so many. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. very. It's a. It's a very comfortable working environment. 
That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So now let me ask if you had like three wishes, okay, a genie comes out of the lamp and you got three wishes, but this but the stipulation is you have to spend it on on dispatch, on this job. Okay. What would your three wishes for this job be? Well, for dispatch, I have a lot of wishes. I'm gonna tell you that. So if you're limited I did to have, three. You right, only give okay, me three. I'll, All right. I'll, I'll give you three. So if if I had three wishes, I would have to say I wish that I had a magic wand to immediately get my center staffed and trained up. Mm. It's yeah. it's it it hurts staffing. It hurts the citizens if we don't have the proper staffing to be able yeah. to answer nine one one in a timely manner. Yeah. Um, it, it hurts our our dispatchers mentally. Sure. Um, there's a lot of overtime involved, so they get. They get worn it's, out. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, you and, always feel better if there's more people in your group, you know, just uh, moving, doing the same thing, mm-hmm. moving in the same direction. If you feel yeah. like you're by yourself, that's that's kind of demoralizing. And yeah. so, and a lot of these uh, these communication centers are like at half of ideal, you know, staffing. Yeah. Most, uh, there's several in the area that are, um, and, and it's a nationwide problem. Yeah. And, you know, given the job market, that's not just, the dispatch centers it's the private oh, sector too yes, so everywhere is understaffed undermanned but uh but yeah, yeah that's it's it's critical that this group you know have enough warm bodies to do yeah. all the work and that they're all trained up to be able to to do the full job right. you said it took like a year to it, train it can somebody. take up yeah it can take up to a year um to get someone fully released as a call taker yeah. and as a dispatcher yeah. there's just so many so many moving pieces and um, you got to think the lives of callers are in your hand. The lives of officers are in your hand. So uh, it's extremely important that they are fully trained up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was one wish. Okay. It's wave a wand. Everybody's, you got every seat's filled, right? What's Mm -hmm. your next wish? Well, I don't know if it'll be get filled up that fast, but (laughs) to add to that, I, the second one would be, I wish that the residency requirement wasn't a thing. Uh, just because I have lost and will continue to lose employees due to the residency requirements since they have to live within Wyandotte County. Right. And um, not only does it limit my pool of applicants, since I'm sure many spouses who might be interested in working for us would not want to uproot their children from their current school system if they live outside of Wyandotte County. Right. So um, that's one of the things that it's hard for someone to make a decision to apply if they don't want to relocate because of their schools being or their students or their children being in certain schools. Yeah. I know that, you know, in the mid 20th century, I think a lot of cities made that requirement. Uh, they wanted people who served the city to live in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had several idealistic kind of notions like that. And it but, makes, it, and it makes sense. Oh, it does. It, it does. It does and, but, but it didn't work for a lot of cities. Yeah. And so many of those cities have since lifted that requirement mm-hmm. and, uh, we're not yet one of them yeah. here in Kansas city. So, yeah. and that's just one of my things. It's, I'm not doing it to, for anything political or anything. It's more right. so. I'm trying, I care for my center and I'm trying to get it staffed. And I believe that that would be one of the solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your third one? Third one is I, I wish all my employees good health and positive vibes. (laughs) Uh, I recognize it's a stressful and mental draining job, but it can certainly be rewarding Mm -hmm. knowing that you help the citizen during their darkest times or knowing that you went home after having kept all of your officers safe. So it, it matters. They matter. So, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see 
um, you know, I'm a chaplain with the police department and I focus on patrol. And so there's whole sections of the department that I really don't have very much contact with, mm-hmm. um, some hardly at all. And, and I wish there were more chaplains and other resources that were available and there's not yet, or, or those resources being used elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wish I had that for, for dispatch too, that, that you guys had more encouragement, more support, more, uh, um, just positive influence because you do good work, mm-hmm. but it's so stressful. The stress could get to you. Yeah, it can, so, it can, it can get to them. That's for sure. But yeah. you know, the department does a good job too. They reach out, you've got peer support, you've got, um, uh, other wellness programs. Right. So right. they there, they are, the resources are there. It's just a matter of actually using them. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Hey, thank you for coming in and talking to me oh, about thank this. You. Um, I am definitely going to try to get down to dispatch more often mm-hmm. and uh, get to know you all better. Well, and, you're uh, always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm eager to eager to find out more about what you're doing and, and I appreciate you talking to me. Today. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I want to thank Manny for coming in and talking about dispatchers. They are so important and so often misunderstood and unappreciated. And so I was really eager to shine a light on the good work that they do and on some of the positive aspects of their role in law enforcement. I really hope that this conversation will encourage more people to apply for these jobs so that the ones who are already doing the work can get some help and encouragement. As I record this in early 2022, Almost every communication center in the country is hiring and paying good money for people who can contribute to the team. One challenge of recruiting for dispatchers is that some men have the idea that it's a job for girls, or that the only men in communications are the ones who are waiting to be police officers. While it's true historically that dispatchers were often women, there's no reason that this has to be the case. Air traffic controllers are traditionally male, and still today, 75% of them are men. And that's a similar job in a lot of ways. Dispatch just needs more intelligent communicators who are willing to serve their communities. So for years, I've been listening to podcasts without giving any kind of feedback. And now that I'm doing a podcast, I realize that a five-star review on something like Apple Podcasts actually makes a huge difference. And so if you'd like to help out the Hey Chaplin podcast, go into Apple Podcasts, find Hey Chaplin, and give me a five-star review. Leave a couple nice words, click five stars. That would actually help the algorithms put me in front of more people. It would really help out the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And of course, if you liked what you heard here, please share this episode with a cop or someone who loves a cop. On the next episode of Hey Chaplin, we discuss suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Um, I always tell the cops this, so if they ever pull a Porsche over, they know that Porsche door handles are hidden compartments. Hmm. But um, I had my gun in there. Nobody knew it. And so uh, my neighbors and a couple of my SWAT guys and my girlfriend, they were in my front yard because they knew, you know, I told them when I get home, I'm whooping everybody's butt. And so they were expecting that guy. Right. And so I came home, I walked up, I went, walked right up to my car and they're all watching me. I pulled the gun out. I walked to about the front door area of my house, put the gun to my head, pulled the trigger and nothing happened. It was a failed bullet. Yeah.
The views expressed here are the personal views of the host and our guests and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. Thank you for listening today. And as always, pray for peace in our city.